we're going to be in Psalm 119, verses 10 and 11 today. I invite you to find that in your Bible. As you do, um, let's begin with a dangerous question. And it's not dangerous for you. It's only dangerous for preachers. And that is, how many sermons do you remember in life? You know, have you ever thought about that? How many sermons do you remember? We do this every week, and there is an effect. There is something very important about hearing and the pro- proclaimed word week in and week out, that there's a shaping effect. But it's a slower shaping effect in our life. But we know that every so often, every so often something happens from the proclaimed word where we are changed in that moment, where something says, I cannot forget what, was, what just happened here and it will stay with me forever in the most positive sense possible. And, and so I was thinking through some of those this week. Um, and even, you know, I grew up here in this church, was gone for about 15 years, and then you called me back to be your pastor. And I think we're both happy about that, but still wondering how did God make this happen. But I'm glad to be here. But I remember from the pulpit up here, the Reverend Steve Belinsky, uh, when I was uh, about confirmation age, I suppose, preaching this great sermon uh, and in the middle of Garrison Keillor anecdotes and fly fishing stories, he had this uh, moment where he holds up the Bible as, as one of the main points. And he says, at some point, we're going to be before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to look at us and he's going to say, you read this, and yet you did this? And that's a powerful thought, isn't it? To keep us on what this has called us to do. You read this, and yet you did this? We're rounding out this sermon series on read, study, and love the Bible. And what we've proclaimed through the whole thing is that all we need is found in God's Word. And we've said that in different ways. All that we need is found in God's Word, both the Bible in its most simple sense and the Word Jesus Christ in the most profound sense. But I want to end this sermon series by kind of saying it a few different ways. Um, All that we need is found in God's Word, but it's only going to do anything if you read it. It's only going to be useful if we actually open it up and do something with it. You've got to actually get into it to do something. I'm the son of a dermatologist, and I know that I've been prescribed many creams in life, as many of my father's patients have, and some of them used them and some of them didn't, right? And what's the simplest thing about that? If you have a rash or something else and you're supposed to put a cream on it for it to work, the cream's only going to work if you use it, right? It's no different with the Bible. It's really only going to work. Now, the Holy Spirit can work outside of the Bible, but the Holy Spirit's going to work far more powerfully if you actually open it and read it and let it work in our lives. Psalm 119, 10 and 11. Let's read those two verses, and we'll stick with Psalm 10 as our really key passage this morning. The psalmist writes, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And three things stood out to me this week in verse 10. Seek, heart, and stray. And that forms the basis of where we go from here. Seek, heart, stray. I seek you the psalmist says. Now, he answers for us how much in a moment, but hold on to the how much piece for just a second. I seek you, psalmist says. There's a pursuit. And here's a a great quote I ran into from Gary Thomas of the five love languages, Gary Thomas, but in the book, Now You're Speaking My Language. And I thought this was a good way to, to get at the seeking piece here. 
and the why of that. Thomas writes, for those who have accepted Christ, intimacy with him is a matter of degree. It is obvious that some Christians are much closer to God than other Christians. The vehicle for gaining intimacy with God as a Christian is regular communication with God. We are to listen to God as he speaks to us through his word, and we are to respond to God with our honest thoughts, feelings, and decisions. When God speaks, we listen to him. When we speak, God listens to us. Through this process, over a period of time, an individual can have a growing intimacy with the God of the universe. Seeking is a matter of intention. I seek you means I actually want something out of this. I mean, I, I have intent every couple of years, I think to myself, you know what, I should try running again. And I get two blocks away from the house and I realize I don't like this. It's very slow and labor intensive. I, I have the desire, but really there's not much follow through on the intent. And I think I could exercise in other ways and be perfectly fine. But to seek God is to intentionally invest your energy intentionally invest your energy. And so that means we set aside time to actually read and study God's word. We've covered that in the series. That means that we learn to use the tools. We learn to use what we can to understand God's word better. And we've covered that in the series. We're not going to go over those at this point. But then the psalmist continues on, I seek you, and now we get the how much. I seek you with all my heart, my whole heart, depending on your translation. It means the same thing either way. What is it to seek you with all my heart or my whole heart? It's that all of me is seeking, me, seeking you, not just a little part of me. To seek God with your whole heart is to have entire desire. Every ounce of me wants to find you. Not just, there's no part left out that doesn't want to find you. It is to know you, God, and to be known by you through and through. And what, what links all of this up with the psalmist, if you read all of Psalm 119, and it's the longest of the psalms, it's all about the commands of God, the law. It uses every word in the Hebrew uh, arsenal of command and law to get the point across. And by the end, if you read the whole thing, there's no way you could not get the point that obedience involves knowing and doing what God wants. If we're going to know him, we need to do what he wants. There's no way you can come to the end of that. The commands matter. We heard this morning from the book of John, in the book of John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says something very similar in a much more condensed version than we see in Psalm 119 when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. Now, it's the truth that some people don't follow Jesus. And some people don't follow Jesus out of ignorance. They don't know the story. And I don't know if any of you, if any of you work with youth right now, you know that there is a, a whole generation that's rejected the story of Jesus, but they don't actually know it. They've rejected what they think they know is the story of Jesus and everything about the Bible, but they've never actually heard it in any real way. There are a lot of people like that. They don't really know what they've rejected, and they don't actually know the story. And brothers and sisters, it's on us to be people who share that story. That's part of our job. Then there are a lot of people in the world who don't know Jesus 
because they know that if they actually turn to him, it's going to require a radical change in their life. There's a whole category of these people. It's sort of the old Mark Twain idea where he said, you know, there's, it's not the parts of Scripture I don't understand that bother me, it's the parts I do, right, where it would require a change of us. And so there are a lot of people who get it, and they don't want to make that change. But it's interesting that, that uh, if you love me, you keep my commands, Jesus says, we as disciples um, sometimes will unintentionally or intentionally, it could be either, split the difference of those two things. We know the story, and we know that it requires radical change, but sometimes we don't actually take Jesus fully at his word. So we can call ourselves believers and say we follow Jesus, but we don't really follow the, his commands in the sense of we, we're following Jesus, but we're okay with being a little bit prideful. We follow Jesus, but we're okay with being a little bit gossipy. We're okay with anxiety being a, a normal part of our lives. We're okay with being self-interested. And Jesus may be asking too much of us, you know. If you love me, keep my commands, he says. But then that also lends us to a further question. If you love me, keep my commands. Uh, if we follow Jesus Christ, can you succinctly say what he commanded? It's an interesting question to consider, right? John chapter 13, 15 through 16. Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet, and he says, I set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor messenger greater than the one who sent him. Further on, he says, love as I have loved you. That's the great command that he gives. Just after washing his disciples' feet, he says this, and we can recognize that Jesus is a sacrificial leader. And a sacrificial leader has sacrificial disciples. If you love me, obey my command, or keep my commands. That's at least where it starts. Love as I have loved. And the only way we really know how to be like Jesus and answer that question more fully of what that love looks like, of what it means to keep his commands, is to read and study the Bible, as we've talked about. It's actually a pretty complex question that Jesus that we're presented with if we say, what are the commands of Jesus? John Chrysostom, writing in the late 300s, in one of his sermons, he says, listen carefully to me. Procure books of the Bible that will be medicines for the soul. Don't simply dive into them. Swim in them. Keep them constantly in your mind. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands, the psalmist says. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And if we're going to know that, we're going to be swimming in Scripture so we understand it through and through. But I want to talk uh, in sort of the second half here of the idea of straying. The psalmist says, don't let me stray from your commands. And this is a verse of partnership as I see it. There's clearly a part that God has to do on our behalf. And then there's a part that we have to do on our half. And so, uh, uh, you know, since we're talking read and study the Bible, when I do my sermon preparation, I'll underline things in my Bible. And um, I have about four different colors of my little pens that I have. And when it comes to blue, I use blue. It 
who cares what color you use if you have your own system, you know, do, do it your way. But I use blue to talk about the stuff that we're supposed to do in response to God. Stuff that we're supposed to do. So kind of from below looking up. And then I use red to talk about, uh, to highlight things that are from above that tell, tell us about the character of God, the nature of God, or things that God is doing on our behalf that we couldn't possibly do. And so when I underline that particular verse there, and just that second half, do not let me stray from your commands, it's red for do not let me, and stray from your commands is in blue. So do not let me from above, stray from your commands from below. It's a verse of partnership. God's power is required for us to stay on the path. Do not let me. God, I need your power to keep me here. But that word stray that's there is actually a word that means to deliberately step off. So clearly God's not doing that. That's us if we're deliberately stepping off the path. And so don't stray means to be intentionally deliberate. I recognize that's redundant. That's the point. It means to be intentionally deliberate in our pursuit of seeking God. And sometimes we can stray intentionally, and sometimes we can stray accidentally. When it comes to our reading and studying plans of the Bible, uh, sometimes they can work like when I let my dog out in the middle of the night, right? So she'll wake me up sometimes, and then I got to get out of the warm bed and go let her out. And every so often, it seems like it only happens on the coldest nights of the year, there's a rabbit in the middle of the yard. And you see the cottontail there and the little white rabbit, and she goes running out and chases it. Rabbit gets away every time. But then the dog's got to do like six more passes around the yard to make sure that the rabbit really did leave and there's no others. And then she comes to the door and she didn't do the thing she went out to do in the first place that we woke up for. And you can't reason with a dog is what I've discovered. So you realize I'm going to let you in and we're going to do this all in a half an hour again. Sometimes our Bible and uh, reading and, and studying habits can be like that. I have this intent, rabbit, right? We stray. It can be unintentional, and sometimes it can be intentional. But we're never going to love God's Word. If you look at the, the pathway that we've got, read, study, love, we're never going to get to the love part if we don't read and study God's Word, if we don't have some intent to do that. There are many things along the path that can lead us astray. We need to be intentionally deliberate in our pursuit of seeking God through His Word. Jerry Bridges, who wrote for the Navigators, he says this in one of his uh, works on holiness, and he quotes Song of Songs, chapter 2, and I've got two quotes from the Song of Songs this morning, so wow, put that on your bingo card. He says, Scripture says, and this is from Song of Songs, it, it is the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. It is compromise, Bridges says, on the little issues that leads us to greater downfalls. So I'll read that again. He says, Scripture says it is the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. It is the compromise on the little issues that lead to greater downfalls. So we can stray intentionally and unintentionally, and it's often in these little ways that we start to get off course very quickly. So I want to just talk about some ways we might stray and and hopefully give us some, some thoughts on those and correctives. Going forward, don't let me stray from your commands, the psalmist says. One way we might stray is guilt. We talked about this early on in the series, but it's worth covering again briefly. That sometimes people, I'll preach, or any pastor will preach a sermon series or a sermon on, read your Bible, and then people come away saying, well, I don't read it, so I feel guilty for not reading it. And that's what they come away with, right? I feel guilty for not reading the Bible, so I can't start now, because if I start reading it, won't I just feel more guilty 
as I read it? And the simple answer is, no, you won't. No, you won't. And if we're really thinking it through, the entire premise of Jesus going to the cross is that we're all guilty. None of us should approach it then, if that's the case. We're all guilty, except Jesus has offered his salvation for all. And we could be called children of God then. We're only going to discover that through his word. We discover that with a seeking heart. It's not going to give us guilt to read God's word. In fact, it'll probably give us rest. Maybe conviction too. Yeah, of course. But it'll give us rest. We'll find salvation in those pages. And we're not going to find that anywhere else. In my days as a hospital chaplain, uh, I remember a, a case. I didn't get to spend much time with this patient. I was kind of sad about that, but it was her second or third suicide attempt, as I recall. And she was in the ICU, probably was never going to walk again, about 20. And she had caused a lot of damage in this suicide attempt. I mean, I knew one of the helicopter pilots of the three helicopters that came on scene after everything went down. She caused a lot of damage. And as she laid there, recovering in the ICU, every she called in every chaplain she could, every time somebody's on shift, to come in and read to her the Bible. That's what she wanted. She was seeking. And I remember the only time I got to come in, I got to sit down and I got to read with her for a while. And by that, she just told the first chaplain, just start at the beginning, and they just kept going, right, from Genesis on. By the time I came in, we were in Exodus and the plagues, which was not... I mean, I would have rather read some other parts of it, but hey, I was happy to do whatever and sit with her and read God's word because she was seeking. Guilt could have kept her away, but it didn't. She found rest in those pages. Guilt shouldn't keep us from reading scripture. Just start. Even the most hard-hearted people have been changed by opening God's word, even with a hard heart. How much more will you be changed if you just start? Second thing, and this probably hits uh, more of us than we realize, we, uh, ways that we might stray is just doing a selective reading of Scripture. Um, and so it doesn't seem like straying, but I think it is. And we're only choosing what we like to read rather than reading the whole counsel of Scripture as much as possible. And so we're, not, we're on the path, but we're not really allowing ourselves to hear all that God has to say. And I was struck by this, uh, I was listening to a podcast a while ago, Ken Coleman, who used to work for uh, John Maxwell, now has his own thing going on. He said, and I'll read this twice because I think it's powerful enough. He says, people would rather be miserable than uncomfortable. People would rather be miserable than uncomfortable. That is to say, we'd rather go through the same routine over and over and over, even though we know that making a change might be better, but because we know the routine. I think that's a powerful thought. You know, Stephanie and I, in our early years of marriage, we made some dietary changes and we felt better. And every time we've gone back, we're like, I remember why we made those changes. That's a good thing. We talked about this early on in the sermon series um, that sometimes we have these thoughts of, I should do something, but I don't. And we know that I should actually is pointing to something where it'd be a better outcome, but we don't. We don't have that intent towards it. And if we only do a selective reading of Scripture, uh, we will too easily seek encouragement and avoid challenge. 
That is to say, we won't really become more like Christ, or at least not as much as we should. And, you know, some devotionals do this. I'm for devotionals, but there are a lot that do this. Um, sometimes we choose it ourselves in our own reading of Scripture. We seek encouragement. We avoid challenge. And it goes along with what Jesus said, right? He said, if you love me, your wish is my command. If you love me, keep my commands, right? A sacrificial leader has sacrificial disciples. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Our Bible reading should not fulfill that verse. Read more scripture, read even the challenging parts of scripture, swim in it, like John Chrysostom said. There are parts that are really tough. I have a hard time reconciling some of those parts, but I'm not going to avoid those parts. We need to be challenged by those. Third way we could stray, ignorance. That is to say, and we covered this at the beginning too, of just saying sometimes we'll say, read your Bible, and another response people have is, I don't know how, so I'm not going to try and my answer to that is, if you seek the Lord earnestly, you'll learn. You'll figure it out. Here's how I know. Top 2021, top 10 Google searches for how to be, right? And there's a whole lot of these top 10s you can find. How to be. Uh, these are 2021, the top ones. How to be eligible for a stimulus check. How to be more attractive how to be happy alone, how to be a baddie, don't know what it is, don't care, don't tell me, how to be a good boyfriend, how to be a good kisser, how to be a flight attendant, how to be happy with yourself, how to be mindful, how to be romantic. If we want to know something, we're pretty good at finding things out, aren't we? We obviously know how to research stuff, so actually the issue isn't if we don't know how to read the Bible, we should then feel like, well, I don't, so I'm not going to try. There's actually a key question behind that, which is, do I have the desire? If I have the desire, I'm going to figure it out. You'll find a way. And quite honestly, uh, you can go back and listen to the sermon series, it's all online, but, but if you did Google searching how to read the Bible, the top ten, They'll get you there. They're okay. I did it this week. If you have the desire, you'll get there. Two more ways we could stray. One is time. This is the most scheduling. This is the one way that people stray the most. When I did youth ministry in my first church years ago, uh, when I was doing youth events, I got wise to this very quickly in, in being straightforward with my students. If I said, hey, are you going to be at the whatever it is on Friday or Saturday or Sunday or whenever the event was? Um, and they said, maybe. I said, that means no to me. Is that what you mean? Right? Maybe is just the polite way of saying, I'm not going to go, but I don't want to tell you that for most people. Is that what you mean? Well, uh, you know, and then we have a fun conversation from there. This is where the most excuses happen, is the scheduling. I don't have time, I don't know how to schedule in, all that kind of stuff, you know, that, that sort of thing. But the truth is, if you don't schedule the time, you won't do it. That's just the way it goes with things. 
If I don't make this a priority, it's not going to happen. If you intentionally desire to do something, you'll schedule the time. You'll make, the, make it a priority. And that's the same way with studying and reading the Bible. If you want to do it, you're going to do it. You're going to schedule the time. If you want to read it, set the time. Set the time right now. Set the time this afternoon. Whatever it takes, write it down on whatever you have. Put it in your phone. Wherever you schedule yourself, do it. And think about it this way, because I think sometimes we have sort of a divine understanding that God is going to help us along in this task of scheduling the time. But, but let's just put it in different terms. In March and November, this last March and November, did God change the time on your microwave clock? when we hit daylight saving and standard time. Probably God's not going to put it on your schedule either to read the Bible. That part we have to do. But when we engage with the Word, God's going to meet you there. You must deliberately intend to read the Bible on purpose if you want to do it. That's a completely redundant sentence. On purpose. Do you hear that? You must, it's my favorite one from the whole sermon. You must deliberately intend to read the Bible on purpose if you want to do it. Just like Psalm 119, if you didn't get the point by the end, if you didn't get the point by the end of this, you're not listening. Last one I want to point out. Longing. You can sometimes stray when longing lingers. Longing for God. Many of us do it. Many of us had experiences in life where we said yes to Jesus, where we've read scripture and God has touched us in remarkable ways, where we've sung certain songs, worshiped together with certain people, sat in groups, and God reached in in ways that were just beyond any other experience. We've had those moments, and maybe we don't right now, and so we long. And that's not bad to long. Longing is a part of love, actually. So here's my second Song of Songs quote for the day, or uh, reference for the day. It's still from chapter 2. It's one of my favorite little sections where you have the, the beloved is saying this about her lover. She says, Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. Do you hear the longing? They're longing to be together, looking for one another, waiting for the moment when they come together. That longing is a perfectly fine thing. It happens to us all with God. It doesn't mean we don't love God. It means we do. We want to be closer to God. But longing untapped is not good. When we let it continue to linger... We long for God's presence, but when we don't seek God, that's when we run into problems. If we simply rest on the longing and don't do anything about it, that longing will never be resolved, and we need to begin to question our desire at that point. Do I seek God with all my heart, or do I just pretend to? We will never love God's word, the Bible, or his son, Jesus Christ, if we do not seek. I think the psalmist is clearly telling us that. We'll never love God's word if we don't actually take the time to read and study his revelation, the Bible, to us. And Psalm 119.11 gives us the solution for how to follow and how to seek. 
God. It says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That is to say, I'm diving into it. I'm reading it. I'm putting it inside. I am going to make sure that this is what I live and breathe is this. All that we need is found in God's word. It's only going to be effective and work in our lives if we actually read it, study it, so we can love God, God's word and the God behind. Let's pray. God, in your graciousness, help us not to stray. We recognize that we need your power in order to make that happen. We need your power in order that we would avoid walking off the path, but we also need to be deliberately uh, intentional, purposeful in our pursuit of you so that we don't live into excuses for why we don't pursue you and we say we long for you, but we long for you and then seek you. God, give us that longing, but give us that pursuit. Help us find you because you've promised that if we seek, we will find. Lord, for those of us who are feeling especially that longing this morning, brokenness from things going on in our lives, who even haven't said yes to Jesus Christ, and we have that longing within us, fulfill that longing desire by having us find your presence even today, Lord. If you don't know Jesus, then today is simply a day to say yes, Lord. And if you do know Jesus and you haven't said yes, Lord, in a long time, say yes, Lord, today. Say, Lord, I long for you. Help me find you. Lord, help us find you today. Thank you that you are a God who seeks us out as well. Amen.